Zach LeBeau, CEO and co-founder of Singular DTV. Singular DTV is a blockchain entertainment studio, and our entire mission is to create decentralized applications that empower artists and creators by helping them, enabling them to become their own entertainment economies, essentially. So is this from the creative process to then the monetization, or certain parts of it? or Actually, what we're doing, it, we're, we're building an entire closed-circuit uh, decentralized entertainment economy from development applications and production applications to distribution applications. So we've got about 17 different applications on the drawing board. We release, we started releasing our first applications last year. And I'll give you an example of, of a production d- development and distribution application. So in November of last year, we released Tokit, which is short for tokenize it. And you can go to tokit.io, T-O-K-I-T.io. And this is is essentially our project creation application. This is our rights management gateway. Uh, The whole point really is to use Tokit to create a tokenized ecosystem, and then we've created the smart contracts for you to embed your tokens with your intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And because you can do that, and we give you the interface uh, in which to manage and administer it, you can control your rights and your revenue flow on-chain. So, actually, I I mentioned sort of before we got started that uh, I live in Berlin, and there's two companies there doing uh, aspects of this. One was a company called Ascribe. I don't know if you know, but I think they were one of the first to try this idea of kind of bringing especially digital media and putting value to it, because that's always been the problem with digital media, that it's easily copyable. So how do you give it value? And they had this concept of limiting the amounts by tying them to blockchain entries. Okay. Um, and it was, I think often in these kind of spaces, you sometimes have to have people who start, fail, but then set the, the stage for other people. Um, and there was another company doing, and I'm, I think it was Resonate It, something like that. It's like a music streaming in a similar way. And it actually makes perfect sense. Like, you play a track, it logs, logs in the chain. It actually makes very good sense. Um, so in terms of your... Uh, IP side is it something similar like you know matching a, a, a creative work to a chain element or I think that that's one very small part of it but our, our research into what we call tokenomics started back in early 2014 when we attempted to use Bitcoin as a data vessel yeah. to program IP into it and and we, we, we couldn't get it to work uh, the way we needed too it slow. to. Yeah, too slow, too... But Ethereum was coming and yep. we knew it. And yep. so basically the idea is, is to basically take tokenomics, which is... Tokenomics being blockchain economic modeling that uses uh, decentralized computing, uh, game theory, uh, economics, and knowledge of entertainment processes, and to create a sustainable entertainment economy with that tokenized ecosystem. So with Tokit, you go there, you create your tokenized ecosystem, you embed your your IP within the tokens, and then that's your entry point 
right into the singular DTV economy, entertainment economy. Uh, also, what you can do with Tokit is you can launch crypto crowdfunding campaigns. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this does help uh, established artists uh, to to onboard yep. their fan base yep. or, or new artists to actually uh, grow their fan base. Uh, that's an example of, of one of our development applications. A production application that we have in, and, and that came out, Tokit came out last November, yeah. and it's actually doing quite well. We're on our 40th campaign now. Okay. Uh, by the end of this month, it'll have generated about $2 million in revenue. Just out of interest, um, what are the sorts of artists who have used it? Um, are they mostly more underground, or have you managed to attract a couple of bigger names? Well, the very first uh, tokenized ecosystem in artist campaign we launched uh, was Grammatic, okay. who is uh, internationally renowned artist, EDM producer, musician. And he created his own tokenized ecosystem, made 100 million tokens, embedded his IP in those tokens, launched 25% of them to the public, and raised $2.25 million worth of Ether, okay. uh, which has actually grown now because Ether was like 300 it's, then. Yeah. Oh, good, because it has been up and down a bit. <laughs> so, so the entire point for him is to yeah. use that money that he 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 collected to create projects and then to put on his EtherVision channel, which is EtherVision is our distribution application. So this is a peer-to-peer decentralized uh, distribution portal okay. for artists and creators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that the beta and the version 1.0 is coming out this year. Okay. But that's an example of of uh, got some a great, well-known okay. musician. You've got Tokit, yeah. which I, I'm assuming Tokit has the same meaning in American English. Yes. And it, EtherVision, which Ether also has. You've got a lot of uh, interesting references going on here for the creative industry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, uh, uh, they could be layered, that's for sure. Um, but also, one of the one of the best things about Tokit is that. The emerging or undiscovered artists, yeah, like sure. Javier Borayo, he he's from Guatemala. He came out of nowhere and started a campaign and a tokenized ecosystem on Tokit. Uh, he and it's amazing because. All he needed was like eighty, ninety thousand dollars to make his feature yeah. film, and I was talking to him, and I was like, "Javier, what's it like down there in Guatemala? What's the film industry like?" And, and he, he basically said, "If you have a camera, you're the film industry." Yeah, yeah. And it, it was really, it was really gratifying, satisfying to, to us to see that he could create his own tokenized ecosystem, have a successful raise, raise the money for his first film, and now he's in production. Uh, an- another example is uh, Casey Pearl. Uh, an amazing singer musician out of London and she's never made an album before because every time she got the opportunity they always wanted to change who she who she is so she discovered Tokit came on there and because of of well she's making her first album she raised enough money to make her first album and that's what for me personally Tokit is really all about I I have a this is leading to a question which I I'll get to in a minute, but um, how is the actual media, is the media handled by the platform as well, or is it just linked to on an Amazon S3 bucket or whatever, like it's up to you, or does the platform actually host the media files as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a, it's a bit of a uh, in-depth uh, answer here, because what we're doing basically with EtherVision is very similar to how Bitcoin and Ethereum have spread out by uh, creating nodes that yeah. you then interact 
interact with all over the world. We're doing the similar thing with EtherVision. We're creating these centralized database nodes all around the world where we begin to, where the content will be centralized, and then we seed it out from there to individuals' devices, basically. So this is super interesting, and it's, it's actually, it's weird, you know, what goes around comes around, as I say. I was actually a professional musician back in the early 2000s when it was a bad time because the traditional music industry was waning. Yeah. The monetization of the digital industry hadn't really happened yet. And the main ways as a, as a small artist we had distributing was MySpace right. and Napster. <laughs> and um, I remember lots of these conversations because the, we actually did okay, but there was a level where we weren't making a tremendous amount of money out of... Uh, sales like live shows and things like that were fine but sales of, of CDs to a certain to actually a fairly large extent and were reasonable but not enough to make a huge living out of it mm. and, you know five people managers agents bookers etc etc they all take their cut um, so but the thing that used to amaze me is as an artist at that level you know, all you really want to do is just get stuff done yeah. people to say that it, it impacted their life somehow and one of the great things with Napster at the time was that you would have we had kids in Mexico getting in touch and saying I love your music uh, it changed my life in these ways if I could buy it I would if you toured here I would come but you probably never would but and it was this great peer-to-peer distribution service in in time when it was actually really slow as well and this is the funny thing like what you are describing almost sounds like a monetized Napster in a far better way than they have did it themselves in some respects because because the, the technology didn't really exist to monetize it in the way it worked at the time. And it's, it's quite interesting to hear the way you described it. It's interesting that you make that comparison. And, and I, I've thought about this. We've yeah. thought about this a lot. And the, the major difference is that through the data network convergence that blockchain provides, and because we're able to use that to embed tokens basically with IP that control rights and revenue flow, that's the major difference because yeah. basically what can happen is and we're in South by Southwest right now and I had a panel yesterday in which we had three of our use cases, test cases on and Grammatic was there because he had tokenized himself and he's putting all of his music on his EtherVision channel and then uh, 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 Nate Balotson from XYZ he's a producer, yeah. we're making a movie with him and uh, we're basically tokenizing the film and the objective, objective for the film is to through tokenomics is number one, recoup the entire production budget before the movie's ever released and number two, after release, to use tokenomics to basically increase the value of the token so that we can liquidate those tokens to fund subsequent yeah. seasons or sequels. And then the third person we had on the uh, the panel uh, is, a, is a young uh, fil- writer-filmmaker uh, from Tajikistan who's who's making her first uh, uh, short film and then after that her feature. And it occurred to me in, in the uh, as we were sitting there that basically because everyone's in control of their rights, because they all have that that administrative control over their IP anybody any fan for example can then go onto EtherVision start their own channel take all of Grammatic's music put it on their channel all of the all of the sci-fi movie that we're doing with XYZ on their channel all of all of um, uh, this Tajikistani filmmakers stuff put it on their channel and then basically monetize it and all that all the all the revenue is still due and goes directly to Grammatic yeah. and, and to, to XYZ and to everybody else because 
the rights flow is inherent in the tokens, and all they do, yeah. that curator does, is maybe just put a little transaction fee on there. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of the best parts of, like, Napster, YouTube, and uh, remix culture. All in one. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so theoretically, if we make it convenient enough for anyone around the world to have access to content, inherently, by the way the rights flow on the blockchain, maybe that'll actually do something to get rid or to help get rid of piracy. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if piracy is almost sanctioned through transaction fees, it's not really piracy anymore. <laughs> no. no sharing, that, proper sharing. That, that curator could take all of his or her favorite music and movies, put it on their own personal channel. We won't allow them to charge any more than probably 5 to 10% per transaction, yeah. and all the rest of that will go straight to the artists yeah. and the projects. So, actually, I mean, kind of let's, let's bring this into more... Um, uh, pragmatic realism. You know, that artist has to pay their landlord the rent, etc. Right. How, how possible and easy is it to convert those tokens into money that the landlord would understand, you know? <laughs> yes. yes. Well, in places like the United States yeah. and all throughout Europe, it's very easy. It's quite easy to so, take your crypto and, and, and to turn it into fiat. And things, yeah. yeah, you know, Coinbase is a, is a huge company that's sweeping across the world uh, and that, that, that you can turn crypto into U.S. dollars, euros, etc. But in places like Guatemala, for example, Javier is having a very difficult time uh, putting his ether into, into quetzals. I yeah. think that's the... Uh, yeah. So it, it's an issue. It definitely is an issue for uh, some of the underdeveloped areas of the world right now. But the thing is, this gives us the opportunity to try to come up with some solutions down there in Guatemala. And decentralized exchanges would help in some respects, although they need to have another kind of negotiation process, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's the that's the issue, too, because as soon as you actually start to touch crypto to fiat, all sorts of regulations from all sorts of yeah. jurisdictions start to come into play. Yeah. It's kind of one of those. I mean, even when I first started traveling around a bit and I was wanting to pay a landlord in with PayPal, like something pretty well established, right. like very, very hard. <laughs> all, all, hey, you know, th this is a long, this is going to be a long process. And I actually did get my uh, landlord to to uh, take Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah and it's better known. Yeah, I did. And, and then and then it took about a year to then transition him to get it to, to take uh, Ether. Yeah. So Actually, um, I was at CCC in, in Germany over Christmas time. I don't, I don't know if you know CCC. I don't know how well it is known here. I don't know. It's a huge, uh, the Chaos Community Communication camp, like the Hamburg Hacker Club, and it's a oh, cool. huge like hacker conference. Um, I'm pretty sure there's an American equivalent. It's been running for like 35 years. Wow. Okay. And they, I stayed in an apartment in the center of town, and that accepted Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. Said if they were just doing it for that period, knowing there'd be a lot of people there who might have some, uh, it was kind of weird. <laughs> so it's the first time I'd ever seen like can pay for a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I I was just in Japan. Uh, we're, we we've established an office there, and we're we're doing a lot of things in Japan, and. I was surprised to see how more mainstream crypto and Bitcoin and everything is in Tokyo. Yeah. I mean, you'll walk down the street and you'll see reference to it in billboards or commercials. And they even have these music idol groups that are personify cryptocurrencies as well. 
Yeah. You know, like, like the Spice Girls were, you know, you know, Posh Spice or whatever. In, 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 in Tokyo now, the crypto is, is like one represents Litecoin or one represents something else. And it's it's kind of interesting. So they keep adding members all the time. So, I mean... Let's let's take another kind of uh, current sort of traditional, in very big quotes, um, platform for artists to raise funds for projects something like Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Right. And, I mean, the bonus with platforms like that is there's there's some mechanisms there for projects that don't deliver. Uh, Do you have anything like that baked in? You're asking about mechanisms that don't deliver? No, like, so if the artist says, I'm going to make an album, it doesn't. Oh, right, right. Yeah, well, on the blockchain, then their reputation would be ruined, and then their token would be worthless, and they would have to contend with the the public and the audience that they got to buy their tokens in the first place. Yeah. yeah, you know, Token is kind of a crypto Kickstarter, except the major difference is that we we have a number of different economic models that the artists can choose from so that they can really figure out how they want their audience to participate. There's the straight-up sort of revenue system, which... When you distribute, when an artist distributes their tokens and they put revenue into their tokens, because every time they monetize anything on the blockchain, that revenue goes automatically into their token. So every token holder pro rata has in that portion of that of, 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 of that revenue. That's one model. Uh, in a lot of different countries, that's considered a security. So yeah. we have a whole new different thing going yeah. on on how we actually maneuver around that. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also the entire consumption burn model as well, basically where. Uh, every time that an artist's content is consumed on their EtherVision channel, a certain amount of their token is burned forever. So their token becomes uh, deflationary. Mm-hmm. So as demand increases, supply decreases, mm-hmm. and value of their token on the secondary market increases as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, there's also well now there's curation market contracts yeah. that, that we're doing work on that are that are that are coming out. There's converter contracts. All these new things, I think, that'll probably end up in the next three to five years, hopefully, uh, rendering centralized exchanges and maybe even decentralized exchanges obsolete. Mm. So... We, uh, like in some respects, a lot of what we've described so far, the distribution, the IP management, the raising funds, the, the um, uh, monetization of that IP. Actually, if you think for 10 minutes, this stuff makes perfect sense on, on blockchain. Like it's almost perfect use case. Um, but you mentioned earlier, and maybe I misunderstood what it meant, the production side as well. Oh, yeah. So what, does that, what does that mean, though? Okay, so as I mentioned, Tokit's already out. And EtherVision is rolling out this year. But we have in a very quiet beta right now our first production application, and it's called Rentalist. And this is Rentalist is basically a Airbnb style equipment rental location service hiring crew service hiring application. It's not actual media production. It's the the various other kind of units of value you need to produce. (laughs) Yes, yes. It's it's basically you know Rentalist 
pretty much came from the idea of, oh, I've got a bunch of cameras lying around. I'm in New York. There's loads of filmmakers here. How come my cameras that I'm not using aren't being used right now? Pay them in tokens, I guess. Yeah. Well, it, the thing is, we, we, one of our mottos is tokenize anything, tokenize everything. So, yeah, we, we tokenize Rentalist as well, and there's a Rentalist token, and it's used as incentives and promotions for, for the Rentalist network and community. Uh, but that's going well in New York, and, and we're going to roll that out and make it more public and start having it uh, spread across the U.S. and maybe into Europe uh, this year as well. So. Okay. So, I mean, it actually sounds really cool idea. Like, uh, what sort of creatives is it open to right now? I mean, um, I do podcasts and oh. video cast. Like, is, or is it mostly looking for filmmakers and musicians? No, we any any anyone that has the passion and and has a file that is digital, whether it be podcast, an application, a game, whatever, they're they're welcome on EtherVision. And in fact, I'd love to talk to you more about that when we get our beta EtherVision out. No, definitely. Yeah. It sounds actually. I mean, but very practically speaking, like what functionality is there for things like RSS feeds and notifications, and oh, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it's interesting yeah. because EtherVision is a place not where you just go to listen to music mm-hmm. or just watch uh, movies, but it's it's for all artistic entertainment mediums but the social aspect of it the social media aspect of it as well is something that we're building into it right now so it will be a much more it will have a lot of social media components and it will be something that is more interactive between uh, the artist the creator uh, and and the audience and fan base so yeah we'll we'll update you on a lot more of those specifics it sounds super cool I mean it's it's funny because it, it almost feels like when I was a more, well, I stand a creative person, but when I was more like, prof- oh, just doesn't sound right. <laughs> when I was a musician, I don't know. <laughs> I was still, I'm still creative now. In fact, I think I'm more than I was then. Um, it was, you know, you had kind of these ideals of, uh, like we actually had this weird concept of franchise bands. Super odd, where like it was mostly encourage kids who want to start their first band, and they could like take our name and add something to it, <laughs> and then play their own shows with our kind of blessing and things like that. Like there's always been fanzines and mixtapes, and uh, there's always been this kind of desire to just spread spread yeah. the word without cutting out the man. And I would yep. say the man because it probably usually is as much as possible. Yeah, no, and it's, yeah. it's but it was always sort of. A lot more. It took a lot, a lot of effort. <laughs> I said a lot, and it was very inefficient because you had to um, physically do it yourself, go to the post office, send things out, whatever, whatever. Um, and then we sort of the the promise of the digital distribution somewhat got hijacked. Uh, and this is what even artists like Radiohead complain about Spotify right. because the the sell was always that it would help the little person, and it really doesn't. It's just the old thing recreated on a new. Exactly. And so I guess that was actually a question I asked um, the guys behind this streaming service in Berlin. How do you tread that fine line of you want to bring larger artists to the platform to bring more people to your platform, more revenue to you, etc. Right. Without going too far over that line of just ruining it and making it just like Spotify. Right. Well, it's interesting. Okay, Spotify exists in this very centralized Mm -hmm. architecture and business model, which it actually is very similar to most of the entertainment platforms out there. They always seem to take care of themselves, number one, and the audience, number two, and they pretty much screw over the content creator. 
what we're doing is we're putting the content creator in the middle and creating an architecture that's decentralized peer-to-peer where everyone can benefit. So we're not out there recruiting anyone. We're just actually, we're just growing by in a very organic, natural way. People are coming to us and the type of people, the type of artists and creators that are coming to us are already inherently decentralized in their way of thinking anyway. So it it makes it a bit, a bit more of a path of least resistance, which is what we need right now to grow. So, so um, (laughs) yeah, you know, thanks to grammatic. Now we've got a, whole uh, a whole wave of other artists that are that are at his level or, or or beyond internationally that we're onboarding now and because of Casey Pearl we've got a number of, of artists that are just kicking off their careers so ultimately we want to get to a completely permissionless place yeah. where anyone and everyone can do whatever they want yeah. and we want to be that I guess essentially we'll be that last gatekeeper or the last intermediary yeah. where once all of our apps are, are working together yeah. then we just sort of let go and we just become another channel on EtherVision like the everybody else. The connection of them is super interesting. I mean, there's always an industry that I think wanted to be decentralized, but just there were too many gatekeepers. But actually, uh, just one other thing that just occurred to me, I, I guess the sort of... Uh, I don't even know if this is even something that's worth thinking about because it's such an old model anyway but you know like the traditional first contract a lot of artists used to sign in, in my day anyway, I don't know if it's still the case but it was publishing rights because it was an easy way to make a quick bit of money to begin with and then you realise it was a waste of time because <laughs> the publishing industry is based on like selling sheet music um, <laughs> but and synchronisations and things were always really dealt with by managers uh, most of the synchronisations we had the manager handled the publisher did next to nothing apart from taking 25%, which actually wasn't a bad deal. But anyway, <laughs> but, you know, this sort of other aspect, like the ability to um, to tokenize out my IP to another filmmaker for a soundtrack who isn't on the platform, maybe. Right. Or is the encouragement to say, well, if you like that, then you have to use the platform. And it's like dealing with a publisher. But I don't know. I'm not sure if it's even really possible because you probably have to just delve into a world that isn't interested in that kind of decentralized mechanism they want to, I don't know. Yeah. Um, People sometimes ask me, okay, you're basically onboarding artist revenue to the blockchain so it can be transparent and instantaneous in its collection and all this and they're like okay how are you building that from Spotify or from YouTube on, or from Netflix on, on, on chain and the answer is we're not wanting to empower those kind of platforms that minimize artists yeah. with blockchain technology so the way we're going about it is that yeah we're we're creating an alternative that's completely on chain and you know what we're totally good with with people you know the same company in Germany or whatever if as long as they're on chain great yeah. why not be compatible yeah. why not have you know, but let's just take it yeah. all decentralized you know actually, we'll, we'll yeah. build a whole new decentralized entertainment industry you know it's, it's actually I mean it starts to come so the EU I think is about to pass in May which is amazing and uh, I'm surprised it took so long in some respects a uh, uh, EU-wide um, sort of rights 
what the word is. So basically, at the moment, in each EU country, you get different Netflix catalogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, iTunes, you get different iTunes catalogs. Right. And now they're actually going to change it. So in the EU, you get the same. Everywhere. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And, and, and this is always kind of, to me, was always the promise of Netflix, too. And I felt like when they did all the VPN stuff, it was a concession to the industry to get right. to the final goal of having like a global catalog. But the industry still is 10 years from now. But in some respects, what you're doing is kind of like, well, whilst you're trying to negotiate with the old school, we'll just sort of do it from scratch in a different way. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's it, it, that's the thing. EtherVision will be regionless and universal. Yeah, of course. And, that's, yeah. and we were in, when we were just in Japan, we've been spending a lot of time there this year. They were telling us how Netflix tried to enter the market there. And they were, and in their opinion, Netflix failed because they were going through this cultural standardization type strategy of trying to force English-speaking Hollywood-type content on yeah. the Japanese market. Yeah. So when we went in there, we were like, okay, let's let's not do that. Let's basically Try to get like, put together yeah, yeah Japanese artists to create Japanese content for the Japanese audience. I have found with them, I mean, it's offered a bit of a tangent. They take their time a bit. Like, So Netflix has been in Germany for three or four years. And only really in the past six months have they started making German productions in Germany, German language. And the nice thing about it always, especially because it tends to attract a more international crowd, and I mean that even by the Germans, is you always have subtitles and dubbing available in Mm. every language, which means you can have a mixed... You can have your friends around from three different countries, and everyone's happy, which is kind of yeah. kind of nice. Um, Definitely. Yeah, they've just started making German stuff actually, so it, it takes I suppose it takes time to make contracts. And it, oh, oh, it's not easy. It's not easy. Even in the best best case scenarios, it takes time, especially when, like, let's say you may be an Anglo centric or English speaking enterprise, and you're going to a completely different culture and language and yeah. country. It does take time. Yeah. Uh, even in the best of situations so so I mean you've already mentioned quite a few things that are coming up uh, Ether Vision is coming up soon yes um, the beta of the rentalist rentalist and there was something else to be honest well my question was apart from all those things is there anything else on the roadmap for the next six months <laughs> that you want to mention I, I hope I think it's not. probably enough <laughs> I hope not <laughs> you know um, our team has been growing yeah. very rapidly we're really fortunate to be getting uh, an amazing energy and, and, and mind based together so yeah we're just going to take it organically and hope that yeah all the blockchain plans that we have will come to fruition because scaling is, is yeah. solved so but um, I, we have been working on our own private blockchain initiative okay. as well to 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 uh, as a as sort of like a backup generator in, in case the public chains do get uh, don't scale fast enough. Mm-hmm. So we're we're starting to enter into the mentality of why why can't there just be thousands of chains interconnected, yeah. living in harmony together, yeah. rather than just this centralized view of one dominant chain. So I mean, we didn't actually get into the technical details, but you're currently using Ethereum. Yes, and are you using any kind of uh, uh, like uh, side chain linking? Stuff or is we're, it all 
we'll just Ethereum. We have we're we're exclusively on Ethereum right now, but you'll hear more about Plug, which is coming out this year. That's actually a, a cross-chain initiative that we're involved with, and uh, that's being headed by um, Cadre out of London and Centrality out of Auckland. And this is the initiative to basically, yeah, build a blockchain architecture that we can use and recreate, uh, possibly just for application by application. So maybe one chain per application, uh, yeah, yeah, but also yeah, yeah. as an adapter to or one chain per artist. Maybe. Yeah, you know, for for example, yeah. for example, because there might be one artist out there that would just, due to their popularity, dominate all the transaction uh, capability of, mm-hmm. of a single protocol, but. Um, um, yeah, this is why it's the it's 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 still early. It's so early days, you know. It's so early days. We have it's all an experiment, you know. It's all just we're making it up as we go. So everyone is, you know, no matter what they say. <laughs>